Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. going on Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere. Welcome to the one and only Hog Talk Podcast. I am Ty Hudson, the Friday host. Alongside me today, Mr. Kyle Sutherland. How you doing, my man? Fantastic, brother. Just trying to keep staying safe here and just hoping as each day that I count down that we get sports back at some point. Yeah, well, I... We were talking about that before we started recording, and the possibilities are up there, man. They're up in the air. We have, we really have no idea what to expect. And uh, if, if I know our audience is in the same boat, we have to have sports back in our lives sooner than later. For the love of God, I would watch curling. We, uh, we have a good one for you today. Kyle here got to interview. I, I guess we could call him now a local celebrity, Steve East, the associate AD for media relations down at UCA, University of Central Arkansas. He was on the Michael Jordan, uh, the documentary. I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I haven't seen it yet, and I have not listened to Kyle's interview just yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that hopefully sometime tomorrow. And also, we are recording this on the 22nd at 9.07 p.m. So we are we won't have the NFL draft. Obviously, you're only going to get the first round, so it's not even – you know, there's no Razorbacks going to be drafted in the first round, so we're not really missing a whole lot there. But uh, we've got a little bit to talk about with the possibility of pro hogs uh, in this, or well, in the draft, the hogs in this uh, 2020 draft. I've got some pro day numbers for you, and we've got some recruiting news and, and uh, so on and so forth. So I guess we could start off. Arkansas lands another commitment this month. I think that's. Um, my gosh, they have they have three commitments in this month. So that brings them to the grand total of four. Uh, Terry Wells was the first commitment, three-star offensive tackle out of Wynn, Arkansas, 6'5", uh, 292. And then you had uh, next, well, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, next you had Marco Avant, the kid that was offered uh, out of Jonesboro the same day he committed. Uh, Landon Rogers. Three-star dual-threat quarterback. He committed back on the 16th and then today, or on the 21st, rather, yesterday. They got another offensive tackle. This one's not out of the state of Arkansas. He's out of Bogota, Texas. Six-foot-five, 285-pound Cole Carson. Three-star. Has committable offers from some pretty some some recognizable schools here. Auburn, Baylor, Arizona, just to name a couple. Or three, rather. He's, he's according to uh, 24-7 Sports, he's the number 75 offensive tackle in the country, uh, and he's the 128th player in the state of Texas. 
or excuse me, yeah, 128. That's strange. But then their composite, they have him at 66, which obviously is the combination of all the sites. 66th in the state of Texas. Uh, the number, he's a top 50 offensive tackle. He's also ranked as a 517th overall player in the country. Um, they don't have his overall for 24-7 sports, though. That's interesting. I I uh, watched some of his film, and I saw in the Hog Talk chat, in our in our group chat, you guys were talking about his highlights, how he just buries people. Uh, tell me what you think of Cole, and, and I know you watched his highlights. Kyle, let me know. What do you think of this commit and so far the class that they're building with this uh, 2021 class? Well, with Cole, he is insanely strong. It was it was almost like when you watch his film that he's either going to knock somebody down or they're not going to get away from him. So the running back or quarterback or whoever's running is going to get past that level. But with him, I noticed some things that I saw with a, with a couple of other recruits. Of course, Landon Rogers. That's that we'll get to in a second. That's a quarterback out of Little Rock Parkview, and and Colin Sutherland. That's from the 2020 class. That I actually was fortunate enough to get an interview with his brother Keaton, uh, who played at A and M. That was initially recruited by Sam Pittman when Sam was the offensive line coach at Arkansas. And I, I look at those three guys in particular. And Colin, of course, is a tight end. Cole is a offensive tackle, and Landon Rogers is a quarterback. But I just see this staff really recruiting football players, not necessarily guys from certain positions. Cole Carson, I think that he could probably play guard. There was a lot of different plays on his film where he was pulling, so I think that he could possibly develop into a really good guard. Landon Rogers, if he doesn't develop into a quarterback, I certainly think that he could find a spot at tight end or maybe even a spot on defense. I mentioned that on the last pod that Porter and I did. And Colin Sutherland, I think that, that guy is going to be a phenomenal tight end, especially in the running game. 70 pancakes as a tight end, but also can jump up and get the ball. And so those three guys in general, and there's more that you can talk about that this coaching staff is already that either has signed or committed or just recruiting in general that they're just trying to find football players. And in a way, I know, Todd, that you had mentioned that – but possibly – what was it, the, the the saying that you said, uh, the Tarzan and Jane thing? Yeah. Well, I, I agree with that. Uh, definitely, there's some that you're taking chances on. But at the same time, I think that with what this coaching staff is trying to do, they're finding guys that can play multiple different positions. Yeah, Um we so you had Blaine Toll in the 2020 class. Uh, if you look at his profile, it may be updated now on 24 uh, seven Sports. There's a picture of him. He's taken when he was like 16 years old, and the kid just he looks 25. It looks like he just he just looks like a rat gym. Like he's always in the in the gym working out. I mean he's. And I'm not saying he's under that looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane category, and I don't mean that as any form of disrespect towards any player, but. You do get kids, and, and I, I wonder if if this guy, if if this quarterback, Landon Rodgers, might fit under that you know limited ceiling at quarterback. And Blaine Toll, who is apparently they're they're going to move him to tight end. He's going to play tight end. He's he's he was offered as a defensive end by the previous staff, and with this staff, he's going to play tight end. Now we know that there's a reason for that. He's there's a shortage at the spot, and I think he played a little bit. He dabbled a little bit at tight end at his high school in in Arkansas. So you kind of have these kids where I think the better way of putting it is they're just projects. 
And I think Landon Rogers might fall under that category, but watching his film, he is a football player. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and so, so is Blaine Toll, by the way. Uh, Blaine Toll is going to be, I, I think he's got a pretty good ceiling at tight end, and I can't wait to see how they develop him there. Um, of course, that's a whole different position at this level compared to, well, any position compared to high school is, but a little bit different because his mainstay in high school was defensive end, so now they're going to ask him to, to go full-time at tight end at, uh, in, at the SEC level. But Landon Rogers, watching his film, uh, we, we said this before we went live or before we started recording, uh, pocket awareness looks pretty legit, and then when he rolls out of the pocket, I mean, look, he's he's 6'4", about 220 pounds. He moves, man. I mean, this kid moves out of the pocket pretty well. Uh, and he'll take he'll take off down the sidelines and try to pick up 15, 20, 30, 40 yards. That's what he's capable of doing. He is he's an athlete. There's no doubt about that. I kind of wonder, though, uh, I had been told that they are taking, not only are they taking two tight ends in this class, they're probably going to wind up with two quarterbacks. Well, we know at quarterback, they're in on another big-time quarterback out of the state of Texas in Caden Salter, who's a little bit smaller, but uh, just seems to be a little bit, I don't know, at his level and his age, when you compare his film to to Landon Rogers' film, looks a little bit more developed, a little bit more polished, especially in the throwing game. And his ability outside the pocket, too. He's pretty quick. Caden Salters, I, can, I hope he commits to Arkansas. I have a really strong suspicion that he will. But Landon fits that narrative for me as a project player. And my only concern is one of the biggest challenges that Pittman has, and, and this isn't really a diss towards Chad Morris because Chad actually recruited pretty well, is trying to fit this roster up with talent. Can you risk taking... Landon Rogers, who I think right now is a project player. Maybe I'm wrong. He could end up being the next, I don't know, uh, great quarterback at Arkansas. I have no idea. But do you risk taking a project player when you've also got another quarterback that you're in on in Caden Salter? And how does this, how does Caden Salter reflect on this on this commitment? Landon Rogers, just like um, uh, Avant was offered same day, committed the same day, or committed the same day he was offered. Um, so Landon hopped at that opportunity in a heartbeat, and I don't blame him. So I wonder if, A, do they really plan on taking two quarterbacks? And if that is the case, then I'm sure they've talked about that with all the other recruits, all the other quarterback cr- recruits. Or, B, is this Landon Rogers is really going to be taken on to maybe play another position? Could you imagine him, Kyle, lining up at, like, I don't know, Wide receiver at six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds with that kind of athleticism, and 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 also, do you see? Because I don't know if you've watched film or not on him. Do you see some comparisons between him and AJ Derby? Because I it screams AJ Derby to me on on video. Yeah, I actually said that on the last podcast. Is that I? But when I had watched his film, I thought about AJ Derby, and I thought about the the very first thing that came into my mind with about two minutes in was that if he does not play quarterback, he they will find a spot for him somewhere, whether it's tight end or whether there is a spot on defense. And then I brought up what Clint Sterner had said last Friday on the zone with Justin Acre and Wes Moore. Mm-hmm. He basically said the exact same thing because, of course, Clint Sterner had worked with him. He'd worked with – with uh, oh, what's the guy at Baylor that's from Earl? Uh, Jerry – I can't remember the guy's last name, but he, he's at Baylor. He, he went to Earl, and uh, when Chad Morris first came in, they were uh, they were uh, recruiting him, and he worked with guys like him. He worked with Lane Hatcher, who's now at Arkansas State. So Clint Sterner's worked with a lot of these uh, different quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and that's the exact same thing that he said 
about Landon Rogers is he's got a cannon for an arm. It's really more about whether he can continue to mature and that he can and that he can make it as a quarterback in the college game because it's really between the shoulders at this point yeah. uh, as he continues to develop into his senior year. It gets really intriguing because, as you mentioned, with the whole Caden Salter thing, it looks like that he is down to Baylor and Arkansas, and Arkansas in, in some favor seems to be the favorite for him. And then you've also got – now this is one that wasn't really talked about as Lucas Coley out of San Antonio – yeah. Arkansas is one of his two Power Five offers with Washington State. He's committing on on May fifth. You haven't heard a whole lot about him, but but Arkansas recently offered him within the last couple of weeks. So there's a few guys that they have on target here, and I think that really what it boils down to is that they do sign two quarterbacks. I and mean, if you ask me right now today, it is going to end up being Landon Rogers and Caden Salter. Now. Does Landon Rogers play QB at the next level? You mentioned that it could possibly be two QBs, two tight ends. Mm-hmm. I, I personally, if again, if he, if Landon Rogers doesn't make it as a quarterback, that's the first one that I see them moving to is tight end, especially with right now them even with Blaine Toll as you mentioned moving over there, mm-hmm. they still don't have a whole lot of depth there. Now this is obviously pure speculation. That's really all we have right now. That's all we have right now. <laughs> Yeah, that's all we have right now. No, no spring, not not even spring practice. Well before football season, but it's really, as I mentioned, very intriguing with the quarterback position because you've got Landon Rogers already committed. You've got Caden Salter that is a very very high prospect that is looking like he could possibly commit to the Razorbacks, and you've got Lucas Coley in there. So it's uh, there. There is a lot of different scenarios you can look at with what's going on right now. From that regard, the future of quarterback or the the future at quarterback for Arkansas is going to be very uh, interesting, especially with Felipe Franks, who after the season is over, assuming just pretending like we have the season. Uh, you can't see me right now, but I'm doing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost thing. You know, where you touch your head and your chest and all that. If we have a season in 2020. And Felipe Franks comes out at the end of the year and says, "You know what? I'm going to apply for that next year." I, from what I understand, he would probably get that that second year at Arkansas. How much of that would play a role in everything? And it, by then, it's already too late. But uh, the future of the position—I don't know if it's. I think it's bright because you know, last class they signed a pretty damn good quarterback, uh, four-star prospect at the position. This year, they're looking pretty good. If they do swing and miss somehow on Caden Salter. Then all of a sudden you go from, well, this class they've just got projects at the quarterback spot. Now, Lucas Coley is new to me. I didn't even know they offered him. You brought that up, so I'm going to have to watch some film on him. He is, uh, for anybody interested, Lucas Coley, 6'1", 203, 24-7, has him as a three-star, nationally ranked at uh, 834th, the 25th overall dual-threat quarterback and the number 106th-ranked player in the state of Texas out of, uh, like you said earlier, Kyle Cornerstone Christian. So it's intriguing. I I have been watching a lot of film, uh, just kind of, you know, my gosh, what else do you have to do right now but to watch film, and and especially when you do what we do and just talk about the Razorbacks constantly and nonstop, and I'm sure we're probably driving people crazy, family and friends. But looking at the uh, this class out of the state of Arkansas, Landon Rogers' own teammate out of Parkview Magna, Aaron Outley, 
I, I can't talk about this kid enough. I do feel like he'll end up being a Razorback. Go watch his film. 6'4", 200, and I've, I've been told he's probably closer to right now, about 240. Uh, but they have him listed at 6'4", 246 on 24-7. His recruiting, it's just been, it is blown up. He's got a 4.59 shuttle time, about a 31-inch vertical, 78-inch wingspan. This all according to 24-7, by the way. He just had an offer from Michigan State on April 13th. Before that, April 7th, Penn State. Back on April 4th, uh, Oregon. He's got an LSU and Florida State offer along with Arkansas. From I, I believe, as of right now, if if he were to make a choice tomorrow, it would be the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, I feel I feel pretty good about the talent coming out of Little Rock. Uh, out of all the out of all the talent coming out of the state of Arkansas, I think it's six out of the top ten are from Central Arkansas. So that's a good sign of things to come. Jacob and I used to talk about that quite a bit, about getting that talent back out of places like Little Rock, uh, out in Pulaski County, out of Fort Smith, and obviously Northwest Arkansas still spitting them out pretty good, or they have been uh, lately, the last, you know, I don't know, eight or nine years. It seems like it's gotten a lot better uh, out of Northwest Arkansas, especially Fayetteville. Uh, and uh, Fayetteville, Springdale area combined. Really, all of Northwest Arkansas. You got talent coming out of Bentonville the next couple of years. But the future looks bright in terms of what we can do with the state, in state recruiting. Um, we don't, you know, right now they're ranked 46th in the country with just four commits. And I feel like this could end up being one of those classes where it dips off a little bit, where you maybe drop out of the top 50, top 60. And then we see Sam Pittman work his magic in the final, you know, the final weeks leading up to signing day. I could totally see him landing another top thirty class. Um, but yeah, big, big time decisions coming up for these kids here in the next few months. Obviously, with this virus lingering around, some kids have kind of got their decisions on hold just to kind of see how this all unfolds. Uh, next up, NFL draft. This is going to happen. As a matter of fact, it's already happened by the time you hear this, but it's it's happening Thursday night. Um, I don't know about you, Kyle. I don't. I don't know how many Razorbacks get drafted. I, I feel pretty confident that McTelvin Aguim is going to be a guy in Cameron Curl, and and Cameron Curl I felt good about all year. I just knew he would have a, a good year this year, and he did. Uh, he dropped a four six forty at the. Uh, I think he dropped a four six forty at the NFL Combine. And he did the same thing at the Arkansas Pro Day that they had. I think that was last month, um, and he also put up two hundred twenty five pounds twenty four times. So not only has he got a little bit of speed, he ran a 4-4-1 20 20-yard 20 shuttle. He's got a little bit of speed for safety. 4-6 isn't exactly blazing hot speed, but uh, it's good to see that he's got some high bench reps there at 225. Do you? I mean, what do you think? We were talking about this before we started recording. If you had, if you had to just, I don't know, you've got you've got 500 bucks. They had someone ask you in Vegas, all right, how many how many Razorbacks get drafted? And by the time this thing is over with, how many guys do you think get drafted out of this class? Out of this uh, of the guys that were invited to the combine and that we feel confident about getting drafted? How many do you think ends up going from the from Arkansas? I, I'm going to say two as well. Uh, a game. So Sosa goes fourth, fifth round, and I'll tell you what. I'm going to say I'm going to say Cam is. Late sixth, early seventh, okay. and I think that in Scuda will get. Uh, well, the thing about man CJ O'Grady, I mean he's he's a second, third round time. Maybe maybe even late if if he would have kept his head on straight and had a, the right coaching staff during his college career, 
this is obviously one of those ifs or if ifs and buts were candy and nuts. We'd all have a Merry Christmas type situation, <laughs> but he's a first round talent. I said that when he was at Fayetteville and the way that he would go up and get the ball, the guy is an insane talent. He He's at least a late, late first, early second round type guy, but with how much of a knucklehead he's been, I know that apparently on other, uh, actual rate Arkansas University of Arkansas affiliated radio stations people have gotten in trouble for calling him a knucklehead but he is what he is uh it's not I'm not talking bad about him I'm just saying he's made some real bad decisions we all have but it's it's one of those things where he's just I don't know how much trust there is with NFL teams and I know that he got up and he owned up to a lot of his mistakes at the NFL combine but I, I'm I'm not I, if I had five hundred dollars to bet I would not bet that he gets drafted he will one hundred percent get a chance to prove himself as an undrafted free agent but as far as guys get drafted I'm going to go Sosa in the fourth the fifth round and then Cam in the late sixth early seventh I could see that and what's crazy and is Sosa is a free agent of course yeah I Sosa I'm sorry uh not Scooter not Sosa Scooter I yeah I figured you meant Scooter because I know we had talked about him I think had he been a couple of inches taller, and maybe a little, you know, that four six nine forty. You know, if you're going to be short, you got to make up for it. You know, I think he's, I think they had him listed at like five eleven, if I remember right, at the NFL Combine. So not only do you have that working against you, but then you drop that, you know, that awful forty time. I really wasn't shocked by that four six nine forty time. By the way, I never thought he was. He had great straight on speed. He had good hip motion. He had the ability to lock on to to a, to whoever had the ball and just chase him down and make the play. I thought he played in between, you know, the fifty three yards between sideline to sideline. Uh, never thought he was super fast. And not many middle linebackers are going to drop four five forties either. I mean, you know, four four six is actually pretty reasonable. But again, when you're when you're on the shorter end of the stick there, when you're talking about height, you know, you've got to make up for it. He didn't exactly have a great uh, – he didn't have a great pro day with Arkansas. But I, I'm with you. McTelvin Aguim has actually turned some heads the last couple of weeks. And I don't know if he's, he's doing – over Twitter. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know if he's doing – I guess it's uh, private, maybe independent drills with these teams or what. But he's starting to turn some heads. And I've even seen people on Twitter – uh, you know, of course, they're all they're affiliated with like team websites. They're not official websites, but people saying that they felt like he's a strong candidate for fourth, maybe even late third round, uh, being drafted somewhere in there. I was shocked by that because I thought, no, I, I have a hard time seeing him going in the third, maybe the fourth or fifth. But this is going to be a little. This has been an unorthodox off season. Everything's going to be unorthodox from here on out, especially until fall or through summer. But It'd be really neat to see him go higher than where I think he ends up going, which I, I still think I'm with you, you know, between the fifth and sixth round. Uh, Cam Curl, you know, he's got the size in my God. He put up, I think he put up the uh, the 225 more than any other, or, or maybe he tied. It was tied. It was, he tied. was tied for first with D-backs. That's right. And, you know, with, with Cam, so, you know. With his, a 34-inch vertical. Right? His, his dad, Greg, I know you and Jacob had on when you all first started uh, doing the podcast Good or whatever. Guy. And, uh, yeah, oh, great guy, great guy. And uh, I'm friends with him on Facebook. You know, we all follow him on Twitter and stuff. And I joke with him because he can't stand the Cowboys. And I'm a big Cowboys fan, of course. So I keep messing with him about about uh, Cam going to the Cowboys and, you know, whether he'll buy a jersey and all that. Of course, obviously, if his son goes to the Cowboys, then he'll 
they'll root for, but it's just kind of some some poking fun there. So I think it would be interesting if 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 Cam were to get picked up in the uh, in the late rounds there, just because the little poking fun there between Greg and I to go to the Cowboys that would be pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, because Greg Greg's always sharing the memes on Facebook. Yeah. about uh, like about of course the the most recent one that I've I've been sent at least probably almost a thousand times at this point is make sure you wear a mask with Cowboys logo on it. Cause you won't catch anything. Uh, that's, that's the most recent. One that I've been, yeah. I've, I've seen them all, man. My mom, even my own mother, my mother is the reason why I'm a Cowboys fan. Her, her grandmother, my great grandmother was the, she started watching the Cowboys in 1960 when they first began. And even my yeah. own mom, who is the, again, the reason why I, root for the cowboys sent me that yeah and i'm like come on if i have everybody i i am the only i'm the only nfl fan and nba fan in my entire family like i've got a cousin danny i think he listens to the show um he's a big niners fan and i like the niners growing up because of joe montana jerry rice i mean my god what six seven year old kid didn't like didn't like that duo you know of course as i got older i've always been a Cardinal fan, always been a diehard St. Louis Cardinal fan, and when the Rams got their team back or got a team to return to St. Louis, it was like you know I think I was in fifth grade, and I was like, oh my god, I guess I'm a I guess I'm a Ram fan now. So and I have been, and I stuck with them even though they went out to the left coast. So um, that's yeah, but I yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the draft pans out for these Razorbacks. I hope it'd be great. Just for bragging rights, I say bragging rights. I'm, you can't see me, but I'm doing the air quotes here. To get, I, I like it when you got former hogs getting drafted. When you when you get more than expected, like when you get four or five guys in a year, especially when you're coming out of an awful two and ten season. Like, oh well, at least there's a bright spot. At least they had a few guys get drafted. But yeah, it's probably going to end up being just two guys. Uh, Maybe more. You never know. We we talked about. Um, we we kind of mentioned. Uh, Chase Harrell joking around. I don't think he gets drafted, but this guy at his size, running a four five one forty, he benched two twenty five. I think he put up twenty three reps. I think uh, he's got a thirty six inch vertical. By the way, that's pretty ridiculous for a tight end. I could see him going and getting a free agent spot, maybe making a scout team somewhere. And of course, we already mentioned Scooter Harris. You also got Connor Limpert. I don't think he gets drafted, but wouldn't no. surprise me at He'll all to see him make a team. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be – to get drafted as a kicker, I mean, I know Zach Hawker was drafted in the seventh round. There's actually a, a pretty good story behind that one. But uh, but Zach Hawker was, was one that got drafted, but you typically don't see kickers. No. Uh, that's just not – they even some of the best ones in the NFL that you have today, they, they usually don't spend a – I don't want to say waste because that's a bad word, but – they you don't usually see teams spend them on kickers unless they are just elite. Yeah. It just doesn't happen a whole lot. No, so that's that's uh, just the way it is. If you're a kicker, even if you're a good one, Connor Limpert was a pretty good kicker in Arkansas, but Hawker was also pretty good. I don't know if he's still on a team or not. I know he was kicking for the Saints for a little while, and then maybe no, the Bucks. He's he's been out of the NFL for a little while now. He was with the Saints, the Dolphins, the Redskins. Actually, uh, one of the speaking of the Cowboys, one a game that they went into. I think it was 2015. They went into overtime. Uh, Zach Hawker didn't kick necessarily the the winning field goal, like the walk off winning field goal. 
but one of the ones that he kicked actually ended up beating them uh, oh, in 2015 nice. when he was mm. with the Saints. So, yeah, he's been with the Redskins, the Dolphins, Saints, there's, uh, Bengals, I believe. I thought he was a I think he's been out of the league for about three or four years now. Oh, speaking of the Bucks, you know we got to talk about Tom Brady and Gronk just for a second. Oh, yeah. Did they finalize that? Is Gronk – because I know he had to come out of retirement. Yeah, he to, yeah, he just had to pass the physical. It's official. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. He's a yeah. walk – like, the guy has to walk around with a crutch. Like, what more – what is the point of that? Just to go play with Tom Brady? I think that's such a waste. And they already had a really good tight end there, and, and I guess he's going to hit free agency. So what what the hell is going on with, with Brady and Gronk again? I don't know what to think about that. I, I You know, I – Unfortunately, last year I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the NFL, but I know Tom didn't exactly have Brady didn't have a great year, and uh, yeah, and a lot of that was was Duke to the fact that he did not. Have, I mean, it's one of those that he didn't have a whole lot of help around him. But I, I just man, it's we we see it all the time where we get these quote unquote super teams in the NFL. We saw it first off with the Eagles in two thousand nine. When they got, well, of course, they had Mike Vick and they had a bunch of these other guys that they ended up signing. They didn't do anything. Last year, it was the Cleveland Browns. They didn't do anything. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Uh, you know, insane. Tom Brady is almost 43 years old. Rob Gronkowski is made of, I mean, he's a great player, but made of glass. And he's also had a year off. I, 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 Mike Evans is a freak of nature. I'll say that about him. He is. The good one that they have at wide receiver is great as well. But look, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm, I'm the same. It, it's. That's kind of the way that I'm looking at it. I, I'm I'm in the same boat. Uh, I think it's going to be a one and done, and then uh, Brady probably – or did he sign a two-year with Tampa? It was a two-year, wasn't it? I believe it was a two-year. I can't remember the exact details, but I believe it was a two-year. Well, I, I've i got to figure out – or my Rams got to figure out what they're going to do with no Todd Gurley. I, that was weird. I, not shocking uh, that they that they went another direction with Todd Gurley because uh, he's – you know, he's he's – Kind of made a glass, too, actually. He's not someone that uh, – running backs have lost so much value in the last 15 years. It's just crazy, unless you're an Adrian Peterson or someone who's just who's just rugged, tough, and physical enough to play the position, and, and you got to have the durability factor. If you don't have it, like your value just shrinks. If you're injury-prone, forget about it. I, it another ex-hog, also Alex Collins. What like is he gonna? What's the deal with him? I know Seattle was interested, and there were there was a rumor going around they were gonna offer him a contract, a short term contract, but it never happened. I don't know if he ever, uh, you, you know, we know we know he got in trouble. He was with the Ravens. He got caught with a gun and some a bag of weed or something. And oh, it was a jar of weed, like a massive. <laughs> that's jar. what. Yeah, that's right. It was and a jar. In the video and the video, he was like trying to blame the other guy, and they're like, "Dude, it's in your car." You know. So yeah, was, yeah that was a. That was a really bad ordeal. Um, of course, the, the ACL injury didn't help either. But That's true. I think Alex yeah. Collins is a really good guy. Uh, I think he just made a really bad mistake. Uh, it's just, you know, like you said, the gun. And I don't think the, I don't think that with the way that the world, has, especially the United States, has become with some states legalizing weed and stuff, I don't think that that's necessarily the biggest issue. I think it's more so like him getting – I think it's mostly – if just in my opinion, I'm not a general manager. I'm not a part of any team or anything. But I think most of it has to do with the knee injury, and then probably the other part has to do with the legal troubles. Yeah, I, the gun might. I don't know. It seems like if you get caught with a gun and it's it's uh, not yours, it seems like these players 
I don't know. It, it really uh, can have quite the effect on their career. I don't know. Even if, I mean, you could be like, um, well, we've seen a number of ex-Razorbacks. I was going to mention all the ex-Razorbacks have gotten in trouble since they went pro. You know, Matt Jones got in trouble. Of course, that was a completely different ordeal and a much more dangerous drug involved. And uh, Sebastian Tertola shooting himself. Tertola. I was I was out on Dixon that night, as a matter of fact, and shot himself. Shot himself. Yeah, I can't figure it out. These kids. You'd think when you when you have a when you're playing in the league and you're making that bank like your dream. Here you are. You're you're there. You're doing exactly what you wanted to do your entire life. It's the first time you strapped on the pads and you go and mess it up like that. I, my dad and I were talking about that tonight, as a matter of fact. But uh, it's a shame. So I I really don't think we have anything else. We've got the uh, at least for this portion of the podcast. Next up, Kyle's going to talk. He's got a, a, a interesting interview again. I've got to listen to it. Actually, you guys will probably. Uh, well, no, you won't hear it before me because I'll listen to it tomorrow and then the show goes live on Friday. But uh, Kyle interviews, again, it's Steve East, the Associate Athletic Director of Media Relations for UCA. He was in the Jordan, the I guess the first episode of the Jordan documentary. I want to watch that yeah, too. It's, well, it's, it's, it's the last dance. I mean, of course it is a lot, Michael Jordan, but it's a documentary about the, the last dance chronicling the 97-98 Bulls final championship out of their second three-peat. And, of course, Scottie Pippen was a big part of that team, but it, it just basically chronicles that entire season. Essentially what had happened was is the Bulls gave – or the Bulls gave the media the permission to film their practices, film them out in the streets, just all kinds of different things. And Adam Silver, who is now the commissioner, I can't remember the exact title that he had at that time, but he was below the NBA commissioner, of course, who at the time was David Stern. And the agreement was, whenever they did that film, was Michael Jordan and Adam Silver told each other that we will never release this this footage until you and I both agree on this. Oh, and wow. apparently they finally got to the point where they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to release this. And that was like two years ago because many people remember they teased it like I, in – Yeah. Yeah, it was like summer of 2018. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you're going to tell us that you have a 10-part doc series over probably the greatest dynasty and actually the greatest dynasty twice in NBA history, and you're not going to have it for two more years. Yeah. And of course, Steve East, the guy that I that I uh, interviewed, as Ty said, he's the associate athletic director for media relations at UCA. Uh, been a part of UCA for like 25 years, so around there for a while. Actually, a UCA alum was there when Scotty was there, and has a lot of good stories. So a lot of good input that you that you haven't heard, that you haven't read about, and uh, it's 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 a really good one. I definitely recommend listening to it. Well, I I can't wait to listen to the interview, and I can't wait to watch the the first part of the documentary i'm excited about it. obviously as a, as a celtics fan wasn't a huge jordan guy especially in the 90s but um of course he's my generation and yours too you're not that much younger than i am uh he was i mean he was the nba it goes without saying i mean you know and of course you got the lebron versus jordan debate i'm not even going there tonight but uh i don't we don't have that kind of time that's a different podcast entirely not just a different episode but a different show um but, yeah, you guys stick around, listen to that. Hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks again for downloading and listening to the episode. And uh, until the next podcast or until the next episode, we'll, uh, we'll see you around. Enjoy the next segment. Woo pig.
Since 1984, Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, has been your one-stop shop for all of your auto repair needs, including tune-ups, oil changes, transmission repairs, and even body work. Stop by or give them a call today at 870-942-4612. Again, that's 870-942-4612. All right, we're back on the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland here, and we're happy to be joined by Steve East, who is the Associate Athletic Director for Media Relations at the University of Central Arkansas. For those of you that saw the first couple of episodes of The Last Dance chronicling the 97-98 Chicago Bulls, you might have seen him in that segment where they were talking about Scottie Pippen during his time at the University of Central Arkansas. We're going to bring him on to tell some stories about his time there. Uh, Those two are pretty good friends. And, Steve, we really appreciate you coming on and taking some time out for us. No problem, Kyle. I love to talk about Scotty and UCA. We'll we'll start off by talking about just how you met him and and when you guys first connected. Just talk about the friendship that you guys made and your time at UCA. I'm two years older than Scotty, and my last two years of school were his first two here. And those last two years of my school, I was the sports editor of the UCA Echo, which is a student newspaper. And so Scotty got here in 83, 84. He was about a 6'1", 100, maybe 60-pound walk-on student manager, if you can imagine. Uh, His high school coach, Donald Wayne, down at Hamburg, had played for Coach Don Dyer, who was our coach here at UCA, when Coach Dyer was at Henderson State. Scotty's 11th of 11 kids. I think only one other uh, sibling had gone to college. And Coach Wayne called Coach Dyer and said, can you bring Scotty up there as a student manager, work study, something, just to get him to go to college? Because otherwise, he's not going to get to go to college. He wasn't a good enough player in high school, didn't have any offers for anywhere. So I brought him up here as a student manager, and he did that for about a month. Uh, The Bears lost a couple of players to grades and whatever else. And so Scotty got put on scholarship about a month in, played very, very sparingly as a freshman, played, grew, grew two, three inches, four inches by his sophomore year, played pretty regular, started, averaged, I don't know, 12, 14 points a game, wasn't, wasn't a superstar by any means, grew some more by the time he got to be a junior, went nuts just out of nowhere, junior and senior year, first team NAI All-American, just averaged 24, 25 points, 12 rebounds, assists, block shots, whatever. They didn't, even, they didn't even record block shots back then. And also they didn't have a three-point play until his senior year. So his, his numbers would have been a lot bigger if they'd have had that. But anyway, so I covered him those two years at the new student newspaper and got to know him a little bit, had a couple of classes, played some pickup games with him. That's what I tell everybody. My claim to fame is I played some pickup games with Scottie Pippen before he figured out he was good. After he figured out he was good, I didn't want to mess with him anymore. But anyway, then I went to the Democrat Gazette or the Arkansas Democrat at the time, and I covered UCA, so I covered those two big-time years of Scotty here. And so we've, we've known each other since. You talked about him coming from Hamburg, no offers, and was about 6'1", 150, 160 pounds. That's what a lot of the stuff that I had in my notes here in his sophomore year grew to about 6'6". Six, six. At his freshman year, he had grown about 2 to 3 inches, but it ultimately ended up about 6'8". And was averaging around the 24-point range, 10 rebounds, and was shooting 56% of the 
56% from the floor for his entire career. Was it by his junior season that you, that really just people around UCA and maybe the conference or even the nation began to realize he was something special, or was it once he became such a dominating player that they realized, man, this guy's going to really be something? I think it was more once he, he went to the NBA. I don't think people around here really knew what kind of player he was. A lot of people kept telling me, oh, oh yeah, he's, he's doing those things against NAIA competition. And, you know, that's not even Division Two. That's not – sure, not Division One. It's not Power Five, which there wasn't then. But, you know, it wasn't Georgetown. It wasn't Arkansas. It wasn't whoever. And I, I kept telling them, I've watched him in practice do things that I've never seen a player do in person. And I played ball my whole life from the time I was six all the way through high school. And they kept saying, oh, you know, it's, it's in AI. It's, it's not the same. And I said, well, okay. I've, I've watched him do crazy things in practice that, you know, normal, normal basketball players don't do. And then, of course, on draft night, he goes uh, fifth in the draft. And I kind of had the uh, – I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. One of those kind of moments. And then I, I still never thought he'd be what he was, you know, what he became. Six NBA championships, two gold medals. I mean, nobody could have predicted that. But, but no, when he was here, even as good as he was those last two years, I don't think anybody recognized it around here. I mean, the Ferris Center wasn't full. If you saw that footage the other night in the, uh, the last dance, I mean, there were decent crowds a few times in those videos, but it, it wasn't a full crowd by any means because nobody knew how good he was. At the time he was playing at UCA, of course, the football team was, was the center of attention. They won back-to-back national titles in 84 sure. and 85 under the legendary Harold Horton. Did that hinder his attention at all, or was, did it really have no effect whatsoever? I don't, know that, it really, I don't know that it really did. Uh, we were known as a football school at that point, obviously. Won back-to-back national championships and then won another one in 1991. But uh, I don't know that that had any effect on it. I just think people didn't realize how good he was. They heard about him around the state, but I, don't, I just don't think they came to watch and, and believed he was as good as he was. For, for instance, uh, Mike Newell was coaching at uh, UALR at the time, and he was quoted in the paper, if I remember this right. I, don't, I won't quote him. I'll say more or less what he said. He claimed that he had the two best players in the state in Curtis Kidd and Paris McCurdy that year. And uh, – I'm sure that was a jab at Arkansas. It had nothing to do with, with UCA, but I'm sure it was a jab at Arkansas because he was kind of that way. But I'm sitting there thinking, no, actually the best player in the state is playing in Conway, Arkansas in the Fair Center. I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't have a platform to say that, but that was my thinking at least at that point. And as it turns out, that was probably true. <laughs> you mentioned that his high school coach, Don Wayne, had played for, Don, for UCA's coach, Don Dyer, uh, at Henderson State. Would you say, just from your opinion, that it's, it's clear that the, the, one of the biggest reasons Scotty became what he became because he got that chance, but had he not had that opportunity and there not been those, the, that connection between the two Dons, we'll call them, do you think that he would have eventually gone maybe somewhere else and became what he became, or do you think that he just probably wouldn't have gotten that kind of shot? That's kind of hard to say. Back then, they didn't find players as well as they do now, you know, recruiting you go online you don't even have to leave your office to find a player and back then you're not going to venture down to Hamburg Arkansas just accidentally to find a Scotty Pippen uh yeah it's hard to say I don't know if he would have even gone anywhere else this kind of tells you a little bit about it when we inducted him in the Hall of Fame I believe it was 2010 he was obviously he was obviously in the in the original class in 2001 when we started our Hall of Fame but the rule was you had to be a 
in attendance for the Hall of Fame ceremony. Well, obviously he was still playing. And he even said, I don't want to go in the Hall of Fame until I can be there. So in his speech that day, he actually got really emotional. He said, and I'll never forget this quote. He said, if it weren't for the University of Central Arkansas, you would not know who Scottie Pippen is. He said, there would not be a Scottie Pippen if it hadn't been for the University of Central Arkansas. And he just let that sit there for a minute. And everybody's looking around at each other like, wow, you know, I guess he's right. Because there would be no persona Scottie Pippen that you know if, it, if he hadn't come here and, and played basketball. So he didn't think so, to answer your question a long ago. Uh, he didn't think there would have been. But it's hard to say if he would have gone somewhere else and been as good. I'll tell you one little quick story, though. Coach Dyer uh, got to be friends with Marty Blake. He was an NBA scout. They called him an NBA super scout. And Marty Blake told Coach Dyer between Scotty's junior and senior year, he said, you need to play him at every position on the floor. Because at our level back in those days, NAI in the mid-80s, if you're 6'7", you were a center. I mean, that's just what you were – you played center. We didn't have 6'10", 6'11", 7-foot guys at the NAI level, at least in Arkansas. And if they'd have just played him strictly at center, which he would have been great. You know, he had the skills. He, he'd play with his back to the basket. But those NBA scouts would not have seen the full array of his talent. And so, literally, Coach Dyer played him at point, bringing the ball up the court, played him at two guard, played him at small forward, played him inside when they played a real small team that he could just dominate inside. So, that year, he played him all over the court. And I think that was what got him drafted fifth. There's no doubt in my mind. That was actually going to be my, my next question, talking about Marty Blake. The, of course, the NBA director of scouting at the time was – long time uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. I believe they were actually in Milwaukee at one point years and yep. years ago. And that, of course, Blake found guys like Dennis Rodman, Tim Hardaway, Carl Malone, Joe Dumars, and my personal favorite NBA player of all time, Ben Wallace. Scotty Pippen's up there, but I think Ben Wallace <laughs> is probably my favorite of all time. Just one of those, just kind of like Scotty, just came from really not a whole lot, especially in terms of their playing careers in college and made something of themselves. And that was going to be my next question was, do you think it was more Blake's knack of finding diamonds in the rough or just people within UCA reaching out to him, which you basically answered that. So I'll just elaborate on it. What was Jerry Krause? Did, did they ever come into contact with, with Don Dyer a whole lot, really maybe his senior year, or was it the supersonics of course that originally had drafted him? Do you know much about that of really how many NBA teams were actually contacting him by his junior and senior year? No, I really don't. I never got into that part of it. Recruiting wasn't a big deal back then or, or draft type stuff wasn't a big uh, coverage area back then. I just kept hearing from people that he was going to be drafted. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any idea he'd be a lottery pick in the top five. But no, I don't really know about that to answer your question. If, if they had a lot of contact with him or not. Coach Dyer was kind of close to the best. He didn't say a lot about that type stuff. I think he didn't want to jinx it, maybe. He just wanted to make sure that he went somewhere. And, you know, he played his part in helping him get somewhere. So I don't really know exactly how much contact they had prior to the draft. We saw in the last dance episode on that, that second one, of course, of how when he first got in the NBA, he had that cocky swagger thinking he was, you know, the having really – I like to call it confidence more than cockiness. Just having that chip on your shoulder, not coming from much growing up, not coming even from much, like I mentioned just a second ago, with him and Ben Wallace when they were in college – 
What was was he like that whenever you guys would play pickup? And of course, we saw when he dunked on Patrick Ewing and stepped over him, and then kind of gave that little shove to Spike Lee. Was was he that kind of guy that would trash talk during pickup games, or was he just kind of okay? I'll play with you guys, and just he hit a basket and he'd keep moving. Well, I pro- I played pickup games with him really early before he figured out he was that good. So he wasn't that way then. He was he was the most quiet, shy guy when he got here that I'd ever seen. And I was telling someone yesterday, if you look at the first. Uh, UCA team picture he was in. He looks like he's 14 years old, that walk-on year. He looks like he's scared to death. He looks like he's 14 years old, weighs 160 pounds. It was one of those, if you covered a team normally, you know, on a, on a regular basis, you look at that guy and go, okay, he's a walk-on, looks like that. We won't see him next year. He won't be here. You know, he's, he's not going to make it. And then he turns out to what he was. So, no, he, he was not cocky at all. Even when he was in school here, he never – had that confidence, I don't think. And I, I told someone also yesterday, I think the two best things that ever happened to Scotty, one was Coach Dyer played him all over the court that senior year and let teams see what he could do. And the second best thing was he, came, he went to a team with Michael Jordan, not because Michael Jordan was the best player on the planet, but he taught Scotty how to be a professional basketball player because Scotty had never had any money. In fact, he and Ronnie Martin, his teammate at Hamburg and at UCA, they, I believe they shared a car while they were in school here, and it was not a nice car. It was an old ratty car. It wasn't Scotty's. It was really Ronnie's, but they, they shared a car, basically. So he had come from nothing. His dad was disabled, like you saw on the show the other night. Had 11 kids lived in a small little house in Hamburg. He had never had money, and then all of a sudden, he's fifth in the draft, and he has money. And the first couple of years, he, he got a little arrogant, I think, and he'll probably admit that to you. But I think Michael Jordan showed him how to be a professional basketball player and a professional adult, both ways. And I think that was probably the best thing that happened to Scotty. Not only did they win six titles, et cetera, et cetera, the basketball part of it, but I think that made him mature quicker than he might have anywhere else. Basketball or not related, what was throughout you guys' friendship, what's your favorite memory of Scotty Pippen? <laughs> we're not like big buddies or anything, but he used to come back and play in our uh, uh, Purple Circle, which is our booster club, our Purple Circle golf tournament in the summers, about every other year when he was available. And one year, it's me, him, Monty Coleman, who is probably our second most famous alum, played in four Super Bowls with the Washington Redskins, won three of them. It's the two of us, two of them, me, and I can't remember who the fourth person was in our foursome. We're playing out at Centennial Valley Golf Course. And there are two par fives that run parallel to each other. They just have mounds in between the two fairways. And so we've all hit in the other fairway numerous times. Well, Scotty had just taken up golf. He hadn't played very long. He's good now from what I hear, but he hadn't played very long. Michael got him playing golf from what I hear. And so he had been pretty bad the entire day. And I think we're on 15. So it was our 15th hole of the day. And we're in the fairway. I don't know how far out, 200 yards out. He smokes one and it goes on the opposite green instead of the one we're going at these parallel fairways right you know and he's he doesn't know that it's on the wrong one he's celebrating like hey it's about time look at that and monty coleman just deadpans goes yeah that'd be great scotty if we were on that hole (laughs) and we ragged him the rest of the day and the next year when he came back and the next year because he thought he hit the shot of the day and he hit it to the wrong green but that that's one of my favorite and and also the night we retired his jersey here uh, he had all his family and former teammates. We didn't have those those uh, lower bleachers on the end, end of the fair center down there back then, so we just roped off this whole end of the, the basketball arena. And there had to be 
60, 70 people down there. Family, his mom was here, brothers, sisters, former teammates. And he gave a little speech at halftime. And we, in fact, we played the uh, Bulls intro that night when, when he came off, you know, turned the lights out. He came out of the tunnel on the end. We played the Bulls intro with the serious music and all. It was really, really cool. And that was a real good memory with Scotty. He, he really appreciated, appreciated that night, I know. Yeah, I was actually a sophomore at UCA that night, and that was that was awesome. I still got the shirt somewhere uh, from when they were. That was that was an incredible night. I think just forever. I actually went for I actually went for a run on uh, Sunday afternoon. I wore that T-shirt. Yeah, I said I posted something on Facebook. Said, "Well, if you're gonna take a run on the day that the Last Dance debuts, you might as well wear a Scottie Pippen uh, jersey retirement T-shirt." Little did I know that I was going to be in that video that night. I just did it because. The, the video was coming out that night and I wanted to wear the t-shirt, but you never know. Yeah. I, I, I've got it somewhere. I've moved probably about six or seven times since then. So I, I know I've still got it. It's just, there's no telling where to have to dig it out. <laughs> but. I've got several of them just to, just to have. <laughs> well, I want to finish off here by talking about what's going on with today's world. Of course, you've been in, the, you've been in the sports media industry for, quite a while. And I want to get your take on just what COVID-19, of course, now we don't know how long all this stuff is going to last, but as of right now, everything is basically shut down for the most part. And what do you foresee just from your point of view that the impact that even at this point, I'm not even talking about whether we have college football or not, or it's in a non-traditional way. What do you foresee this being in terms of the effect that it will have on college athletics? Well, I hate to not answer your question, but I have no idea. We have staff meetings each week via Zoom. We have conference meetings each week via Zoom. I know Brad Teague, our athletic director, meets two or three times a week with the conference uh, ADs and presidents and all via Zoom. And every meeting we come back with, well, here's where we are, but we still don't know where we're going and when we're doing it. Um, in fact, I didn't know if this was going to be an audio or video, so I wanted a video backdrop. I'm sitting in a empty dark fair center right now and there would be pickup games going on in here our guys working out whatever nobody's allowed in the building right now it's just a strange time I don't know I've been here at UCA 26 years I was a sports writer for about eight and a half before that I've never seen anything like it of course anybody else no one else has either I don't know where it's going I really don't I feel bad for these spring sports athletes that got their seasons cut short for instance our baseball had played 16 games and I think our softball had played 20 our outdoor track did not participate at all their indoor championships for the Southland Conference were two weeks prior to the shutdown they took a week off we were supposed to host our first outdoor track meet on that Saturday um, what it was it March 14th I guess and so they didn't have any outdoor track season our golf and tennis teams had played quite a bit of their season, but they didn't get their postseason championships. Uh, I think the NCAA did the right thing by, by allowing those student athletes to come back. But, but the issue there is not all of them can. We have some student athletes who are going into physical therapy school, which we have one of the best in the country. They, they won't have time to, to compete next spring. We have some getting married. Some already have jobs lined up. Uh, you know, some want to go play pro. We have a, couple of baseball players might have that option so I mean the NCAA did the right thing but it's not going to help some of those student athletes unfortunately we we're lucky that our golf and tennis teams had no seniors neither one of them but the other issue is we had 12 seniors in baseball even if all of those don't come back I think we'd already signed 10 new players and so now you've got a glut of, of players and we had some redshirt freshmen from this year 
which will be this year's freshmen and redshirt freshmen, will be freshmen again next year. Then you have 10 incoming freshmen. So now that class is going to be 20, 22 people. How many of those are actually going to end up going through four years here? And so there's a lot of issues we've got to work through, not just the financial part, which is is bad enough on that case. We're not getting NCA money from the from the March Madness. The one good thing is we did save money not going to our postseason championships, which obviously we, we'd rather go, but we saved money not going to the baseball tournament in Corpus Christi, Texas. Softball tournament was on a campus site, but we're not going there. We're not going to the track outdoor championships, which would be, 50 student athletes probably and so we are saving money there but we're every one of our meetings we talk about cutbacks this next year it's going to be really really tight and now we've got to fund those extra scholarships of those kids that are coming back ncaa allowed them to come back but the schools themselves have to fund those scholarships so we're all kind of in a bind going into this next year and we don't know how it's going to play out we don't plan on cutting staff cutting games if unless we just have to uh cutting we are cutting out some longer trips i think some of our coaches have brad had asked them to come up with some ideas and they're cutting some longer trips like rather than going to california for a golf tournament they'll go to texas you know save money that way uh basketball's playing maybe an extra money game than what they played last year but then you look at football we have a money game scheduled we may or may not play it because they're even talking just play your conference games and don't play those preseason games or those those uh, non-conference games. So, so long story short, I don't know where it's going, and I don't think anybody really does. We just have to kind of wait and see and keep our fingers crossed that, that we do have some sort of seasons for all our different sports. We have 18 sports, and I'd hate to see, you know, three or four of those not have a season at all this coming year. I don't think it will come to that, but I really sure sure hope it doesn't. And I hope we have a – I mean, I like to have a season just like we normally do. Everyone plays the same amount of games. Everything's good. But it's not dependent on that. It's depending on coronavirus and what we can do to, to combat that. And we have to have students back on campus before we're going to play any games. There's no way you're bringing back student athletes when you're not bringing back everybody else. And who knows when we're going to feel safe enough to do that. So. I, I want to ask you, speaking of track, you mentioned a lot of those sports. For track and field, is Coach Martin still there? Yes, he actually – get this, he announced his retirement. Okay. Two weeks before that announcement came out. He was retiring at the end of this outdoor season. Literally two weeks. We announced it at our Bearbacker Booster Club lunch on the Monday, two weeks prior to that announcement coming out. So he thought he had an outdoor season left to coach. Well, now he doesn't. So I he, that guy. he was I, I, he was one of my favorite I guess I guess you could call him a professor uh, he, uh, <laughs> he would him. love that if you called well, him a professor I had, I had him for a couple of classes when I was in kinesiology and that guy was just uh, he was one of my favorites I ever had he's closing out a 44 year career here he I actually, knew he, he, he came as a, well as far as actually like his his running career as well I mean I guess he's pushing 50 with his coaching and running. I believe he came in 74 as a track yeah. and field and a football athlete. Yeah. And just moved right into student assistant, moved right into graduate assistant, moved right into full-time assistant in both those sports, and then took over track in 80, gosh, I don't even remember, but 44 years of coaching yeah. and another five or six as a student athlete. So, yeah, he's, he's the longest-tenured uh, UCA athletic employee ever. 
and man, I, always, I really always will be. This is the one man that guy deserves to go out on a blaze of glory. And I hate, I hate to hear that. That's, yeah, that that's, he's going to stay around in athletic administration for a couple of years and help yeah. us out with some, some booster club stuff and all, but technically his coaching is over unless he changes his mind because that, that outdoor season got canceled. I don't think he will, but yeah, that, that was a bad timing, really, really bad timing for him. Yeah, it is. Well, awesome. Well, Steve, I really, again, uh, appreciate you taking some time out to, to share your, I know that this is, especially with what's going on right now, now a lot of our Kansans, I mean, now Arkansas got a, as a state, got a lot of publicity, of course, with Sidney Moncrief and, and, um, and Scotty, all, all that the other night, uh, which is Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Joe Klein as well. I always, I, I had forgotten until I guess I looked at, I started reading about the previews for it, that Joe Klein was on that 98 team. So State yep. Arkansas got a lot of publicity and, and definitely really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your personal moments uh, with Scotty Pippen. That was the thing that was great for us here. I, I heard from, I don't know how many people the other night, my phone blew up, but I would say a third of them were either former student athletes at UCA that were so, so proud that their alma mater got that kind of coverage, national coverage on the most watched ESPN film ever, I guess. And former employees here, former coaches, former people that worked for me. I mean, that we cannot, you cannot put a price on that kind of publicity we got the other night. And that was awesome for our school. Yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, yeah, that was awesome. And, and again, appreciate all the stories. And uh, for those of you that are listening, if you have not subscribed already, please be sure to do that. Rate and leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing. And uh, Steve, you guys are doing some great things at UCA. Coach Brown with the football team and just athletics in general, uh, doing a lot of great things. They were doing it when I was there, and you guys continue doing a great job there. So keep up all the great work. Appreciate it, Kyle. Enjoyed talking with you. Yes, sir. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Hog Talk for episode number 85. For every one of us here, my name is Kyle Sutherland. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.